This is Shine On PolicyCast, the podcast that brings you EU policy updates relevant to solar. I'm your host, Bethany. Let's get started. Welcome back to Shine On PolicyCast, Arthur. Um, Arthur is our policy advisor on electrification. Uh, we've previously had him on talking about skills because he's got a very diverse brief. Um, but this season, season three policy cast is all about the European elections. And uh, we've got the Solar for Europe manifesto here. Um, I'm looking at it. And for those who aren't watching, uh, it's a very brightly coloured manifesto that you can find uh, on our website. Um, and Arthur has been tasked with some homework to bring a prop to policy cast. Yes. Uh, and I have to guess why it's anything to do with our manifesto or the elections. Can I show it to the people when we watch it? Please, and then describe it for people who are just listening. <laughs> yes, indeed. So for those that can't see it, mm-hmm. uh, maybe listening online, uh, it's an electric lamp, but that looks like an oil lamp. Ah, okay. Why do you think I brought this? This is, this is very charitable. I think I can guess why this is relevant to our manifesto. Yeah. Uh, wow, it's electrification, isn't it? Although now we're kind of glamorizing the use of oil, so I don't know how I feel about that. But mm, I didn't, Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I mean, okay. I brought it for two reasons. Please. First, I'm a real bobo from Saint-Gilles, Brussels, so I like old stuff that... You know, it's new. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, and I spent a lot of money player? on that. Um <laughs> No, I don't, but okay. yeah, I'd like one actually. Um, and the second thing is, um, it's a nice, uh, nice look back at history. Mm-hmm. Um, to think about electrification, how far it's gone. Mm. Like before you had people on the street, like go up, put oil in each and every lamp and light it up. So you could have street, uh, light street, light on the street, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you flip a switch and you have electricity. How wonderful is that? Magic. Yeah. Um, so then this relates to, electrification and the eu elections are coming up and uh you know the future of the energy system is in the voters hands um so what do you want uh policy makers politicians to have in mind about that whenever they're out campaigning um i want to remind them obviously about electrification mm-hmm. but just maybe one number mm-hmm. we've been stagnating for years at a um, electrification level of 25 percent mm-hmm. When you think about it, it means that even if we decarbonize entirely electricity production, like you have solar and wind, 100% of the electricity system is done by uh, wind and solar, you've done one quarter of the job. Mm-hmm. And so it's still an immense uh, way to go now. So with the Electrification Alliance, we can talk about it later, but we've, we have a clear path forward and we want to set targets for that. It's 35% of electrification by 2030. Um, it's 50% by 2040 and 70% by 2050. And only that way we can reach uh, climate neutrality. Okay. And then if we can take a step back from that, I mean, in our manifesto, we have uh, improving solar PV integration in highly electrified energy systems. Yeah. Uh, and we know what that means, uh, hopefully. Um, but if you had to explain it in, in under 60 seconds to, to somebody who doesn't follow energy files in Brussels, uh, how would you describe it? Yeah, it's... Listen, it's actually a lot of difficult words for something very simple. It's unleashing the potential of solar mm-hmm. as much as possible everywhere. It's um, let's unleash the decarbonized source of electricity and, and put it everywhere. So it's two things. First of all, we know it's a variable variable source of electricity. We know it doesn't shine 24-7. So you have to adapt the grid and the end use 
so that you can store the electricity, use it when it's available, and adapt the end use also a little bit uh, to this variability. So adapt to that. And the second thing is, let's make sure just to electrify a lot of our uses. Uh, most of our houses, most of our transports, most of our factories actually even can be electrified. And it's the only way for solar to reach uh, those usages. So just um, those two things are really, really critical to understand, I think. Yeah, yeah, but that's clear. So it's moving away from gas cooker in your home yeah. and using a washing machine when it's midday and there's loads of sun. Yeah, and that itself, even without adding more renewables on the grid, that itself is a move for decarbonization. Great. And then uh, it's a great goal to have. Um, but then what are the key elements that we need to to focus on to, to, to get there? Yeah, so there's a lot of policy you could potentially put in place. But I'm just going to talk about very practical stuff, not so many rules of EU policies whatsoever. I'm going to talk about very practical stuff. So the first is the money. Second is our grids. Uh, and the third is uh, the skills needed for that. So we need money. That's for sure. Uh, there's a grid action plan put out by the European Commission, mm -hmm. details the investment needs for the grids. You can read that out. I'm just going to put out a, a few things here. It's There's some inadequacies still in the way we spend money on energy. No. Uh, <laughs> No, but this, for example, after the invasion of Ukraine, mm -hmm. the European Commission said, okay, let's put new rules on how we spend money on energy through one route, which is the recovery and resilience facility. In that document, it still says that some of the most urgent, important um, spendings that we do as the EU is gas assets, it's mm -hmm. LNG terminals, it's pipelines. You have to explain me how so. Mm -hmm. How is that so important uh, from the public sector, at least? Of course, there's a security of supply issue. But those last years and years, uh, the assets, and we need to get rid of them. The second thing, uh, as an example, is the capacity mechanism and the electricity market design. We mm -hmm. have a very nice derogation where you can keep subsidizing your coal plants because they add some sense to your flexibility to the grid. Uh, but this is the outdated idea of base load. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so this is still very much in the text, even those that are adopted today, even though we all know there's an urgency. So we need to reverse a bit that and really align our money with our priorities. Uh, so that will come with huge investments, and policy-wise, it will come in the debates for the multiannual financial framework, which is basically the seven-year budget of mm -hmm. the EU in 2027. It will also come much quicker if we align the state aid rules. A lot of state guidelines can all be adapted accordingly. But please, I'm going to make a call here, if that's possible. Please, go ahead. There's something called the Energy Taxation Directive. It's been proposed by the European Commission three years ago. Okay. There's still no text out there because it's a, it needs to be adopted in unanimity in the council. It means all member states must agree on the same details right. everywhere on that sheet. But it's very important. Right now, in most countries in Europe, you pay more for electricity. You pay more taxes and levies for electricity than you do for gas. <sighs> that means that if you transition away from fossil fuels, you're sanctioned. You pay more. It should be the other way around. It should be the other way around. So that's what the commission proposed. And you can work on the details, but at least you need to land this. So if anybody <laughs> listening or watching this is remotely involved in the working of Energy Taxation Directive, land this before the end of this mandate. That's the first thing. I'm sorry. There's a lot of things. Okay, keep going. But no, this no, is just good. investment. The second thing is grids. So we all know we need more grids. We need more lines to connect more solar with more electrified usages. That's just... Uh, plain and simple, but there's there's a few mentions of that effort already in some legislation that is 
recently adopted is the electricity market design, mm-hmm. the gas package. There's also non-legislative documents such as the grid action plan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mentions of the, the needs for grids. And one of the things that is really important now is that we get around the table with the electricity guys, the gas guys, the hydrogen guys, also, of course, uh, uh, consulting all the renewable electricity uh, sector, but coming together and really planning in detail how our grid and our system is going to look like around Europe. And then through that effort, we can start thinking, okay, where can we put some flexibilities? Where can we put some storage, for example, so mm-hmm. that the grid can handle itself with the estimated numbers for deployment that we have? How can it support itself uh, and not just fall out of, of electricity? Um, and also, you can with that, you can sort of make already anticipatory investments, we call that. So you can invest even before you're sure that the plant will come. So now it takes a lot of time to get connection to the grid. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you plan in advance, yeah. it can all come down at the same time. Um, and once, as as long as we don't do this, we're still going to have gas assets. So if we start doing this really good planning together, we, we're going to have a good plan of how we decommission gas grids, which we don't have at the moment. Um, and the third thing is, is skills. And of course, I talk about this all the time here. Uh, but it's just very simple. Again, not very complicated policy. It's not what we need. Um, it's just we need to understand that there's a lot of factories. So if you're a worker in a car factory, in a steel factory, um, you need to transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really difficult. It's really unfortunate for them, but they're going to have to transition. And it's not simple. It's not because you build cars uh, working on inter- internal combustion engine that you can build electric cars. It's completely different. And we have to accept that. And it's not because you are a coal miner that you can become a solar installer. It's very different. But we have to work hand in hand with those sectors and create a path for them for using what they can use as skills in the new sectors. Yeah. Uh, but as fast as possible. And retraining and just making yeah. sure the support network is there so you don't have these, you know, you don't have sectors of people left unemployed or, you know, angry or yeah. disenfranchised from the, the Green Deal because everybody should be brought along. That's what the just transition is. Yeah. But there, there are some jobs um, for the transition. I think we, we put out something um, that said, that we're going to create 3 million jobs in in, in this electrification uh, world, uh, just with the renewables and the grids mm-hmm. and the cars. And so... Um, so it doesn't have there, to be a problem, but we just need to... Exactly. There are The jobs are going to be there. Yeah. It's a question of how well we make people transition to those new jobs. Okay. Um, and you mentioned it um, a little earlier, but um, the Electrification Alliance, Solar Power Europe, very happy to to be a founding member of uh, the Electrification Alliance. Uh, it's a group of, I think, 10 associations in, in Brussels really focused on on the need to uh, electrify now. That's actually the hashtag, which you can check yeah. out. Um, so we... This platform really emphasizes the need to, to focus on direct electrification. It's the most a cost-effective way to decarbonize. Uh, and we have the Electrification Manifesto, which sits alongside the Solar uh, Solar for Europe Manifesto. So uh, I know this is a bit of uh, your baby, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. Uh, it's a common baby. We've, we've done it <laughs> a together, shared baby. I have to say. <laughs> it um, takes a village. <laughs> but everything I said around uh, investments, grids and skills, you can all find it there. Um, and we're calling the European Commission the next one. Mm-hmm. So it will come towards the end of this year. And we're asking it, we're asking very clearly for the commission that will come 
to publish an electrification act mm -hmm. in the first 100 days. So the Napoleon idea that you need to come up with an yeah. act in the first 100 days. So we need days. to see it in the, in the State um, of the Union and we need to see it in the... Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah it, it needs to come. And I think, for example, the... Um, And these days, we're all talking about the, the new modeling that the commission is coming mm -hmm. up with for the 2040 exactly. uh, yeah. climate strategy. And in there, the electrification numbers are pretty good. But why is it not in any law? Mm -hmm. Why are we not putting a real target and saying it's binding now? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to this 35% electrification rate by 2030 and so on until 2050. It needs to be put in place so that every business knows there's a clear direction of travel. Mm -hmm. And then all those enabling conditions I talked about also need to be there. Great. And I mean, you, you mentioned it a little bit in your last answer as well, but um, it's clear for, for all of this, for the electrification and uh, improving grids. Um, I mean, there's a cybersecurity aspect that we didn't go too much into, uh, but it does require that human element and that reskilling. Um, so how, are, how can we go about that and what sort of uh, actions can we take at EU level or recommend at national level? Yeah, um, we just put out a paper, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Which you can on, find on the solar on bar jobs and skills. Yeah, with a full strategy. It's all laid out there if you want to have a look. Um, but I mean, essentially, I'm going to talk about two things here. What we do and what we need from those guys in the commission. <laughs> um, so the first thing is, I think there's a big mismatch in terms of the skills that are out there. Mm -hmm. The skills that some companies are are saying we can teach you and then the skills that are actually needed. Okay. Um, and because there's a bit of a lack of public support in the last few years, a lot of companies individually have launched what they call their own solar academy. Yeah. And so it's basically a big facility where you train how to be, how to install the panels. It's all company specific. Uh, yeah. And so with the specificities of each equipment they're using. Uh, and this is cool. I mean, it's great. It's giving opportunities for people to go on a project yeah. for six months, for example, and, and install a big project. It's, it's really nice. But it's all a bit different in every country. And so what we're doing uh, with the European Commission, the European Funded Project, uh, we're trying to standardize all that and make sure that if you have gone through one of the trainings that are part of this, mm -hmm. you have a paper that says, I know how to install a solar project well, you can employ me anywhere in Europe. Right. That would be amazing. It it would make everything faster. You can transition faster to a new company. The in-house training that you still need to take would be tiny and really fast. Uh, and the installations would be safer and of better quality. Mm -hmm. So many things. And then the second thing is uh, we absolutely need more support, though, for the technical and vocational education. Yeah. It remains. I talked about it last time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it again. Um, we can do our best to lay down on a piece of paper everything you need to train, to, to teach, uh, uh, young people that want to go into the sector. But at some point, if there's no school, if there's no communication around it, if no one tells people to go there, it's difficult. So, I mean, once again, we're going to say it, uh, people need to be driven to those jobs and be it job agencies, uh, be it, um, uh, the schools, uh, the states, uh, Everywhere, people need to be directed to the jobs of the future, and, and those of them. Great. Um, so, yeah, talking about skills is super people-focused, so we can also uh, zoom zoom back out and talk about the, the other thing that's super people-focused, uh, elections, uh, and you're French. Um, so tell us a little bit about the voting setup in France and uh, why you presumably think that it's important to vote. It is really important to vote. So mm -hmm. I, I really encourage anybody out there that's 18 and, and plus Uh, to register, you have to to go and register until the third of May. Mm -hmm. uh, election is going to take place on the 9th. Personally, I'm going to go in Brussels to the the embassy to to vote for myself. 
Uh, not for myself because I'm not going to be an MEP, but to vote. <laughs> Something um, to aspire to down the line. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, election campaign starts here. <laughs> <laughs> Please make more podcasts. Uh, no, yeah, um, we're going to elect 81 uh, people to go. So you're going to vote with lists. So you just vote for uh, a group, a list. Um, which will form a delegation in the European Parliament. It will go in the group. Anyway, you vote for a list <laughs> and not a single person. But I think it's really, really important. And more and more Europe takes uh, topics, uh, takes responsibility on topics that are really close to people. Mm -hmm. It's not just something out there with the stability pact and things we are, are that are a bit distant. I think the number of things that we can buy in supermarkets, I think uh, the climate... I think the cars that we drive, it's all driven by uh, the EU and a lot of questions are being dealt with here. If you want to talk about the climate more, if you want to talk about agriculture more, if you want your vision of all this to be represented, um, it's at the EU level that it really happens. So that's all I wanted to say. Go vote. Go vote. <laughs> Perfect way to end it. Uh, but thanks so much for your insights today, Arthur. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back PolicyCast. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode. This podcast is brought to you by Solar Power Europe. If you don't want to miss our next episode, make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications. Shine on. <laughs>